Christians really are family. And this morning, Terry, in the closing announcements, mentioned Gary Peacock, a brother, a new brother in Christ, uh, is relocating, and how happy he was, overjoyed Terry was, that Gary had made the progress that he has and that he had grown so much so fast. If you know Gary at all, he is really sincere and a guy who would help you in any way he possibly could. He's leaving this area, but I think we can have a smile on our face that when Gary Peacock worships with a congregation elsewhere, he's going to be an asset and a, bl- a blessing to them. So you like sending people who will bless God's people elsewhere. And even though Gary's young in the faith, he's growing and has a lot going for him. And then there's Justin and Jackie Bell and the girls. For eight plus years, they've been part of the West Side congregation. I remember when they started coming to a Bible class that was going on through the week, and Logan Summers was here and working with men, and Cherie was working with ladies. And others attended, like Rob and Helen, others. And it was a great time getting to know each other, sharing meals, getting into the Word. But... Justin and Jackie have endeared themselves greatly to this congregation over the last eight years. He's shown himself, Justin has, to be a guy who's willing to grow and willing to work. He's become a very good Bible class teacher. He's become a good song leader. He has become a pretty fair preacher, enough to make old guys like me look over my shoulder a little bit. Jackie's been active in just about every way she could here at Westside, helping teach classes, being involved with ladies' projects, and the like. We are going to miss them. I feel exceptionally close to that family, I'll tell you right now. But I know that they're going to end up at the Ackerley congregation, and I'm sure glad that Justin will be there to make sure David Vestal behaves himself. Justin, if you don't mind, come on up, brother. Got two or three books from the congregation here we'd like to give you as a gift. We love you and Jackie, and we wish you the very best, brother. Thank you, sir. You bet. God bless you. Let's all pray together. God in heaven, we ask your richest blessings on Justin and Jackie and the girls. We are so thankful for the time that you have given us with them. For the encouragement that they've been. For their desire to study and think and grow and draw nearer to you and to help people more and more. We pray that you be with them. That you bless them as they work and worship with the church at Ackerley. And we know, dear God, that they will be a great blessing to that congregation. 
And while it saddens us to lose any family or any individual, we can always rejoice and take heart when we know that those who leave our midst here at Westside will go other places and faithfully work and labor for no other reason than they love you and they want to serve your great cause. We know that Justin and Jackie will do just that, so please bless them and we lift them up before you. In Christ's name, amen. They are words that are found only a few times in the New Testament. But they're words that are so precious that if you could hear them from the lips of the person that spoke them the most, I think it would make an eternal difference in your life. You see, the person who said these words the most in the New Testament was Jesus. Was Jesus. One word in Greek often translated with two words, take heart, take courage, be bold, be audaciously courageous. No one said those words more than Jesus. Take heart. Of all the things that can be said about our Lord... No one could say that he wasn't an encourager. He had the ability to lift the hearts and countenances of others. Do we? Is that what we like to do as Christians? It seems to me, and I bumped into maybe one or two over the years, there are some Christians that have the spiritual gift of discouragement. And they can see the worst. They're negative and cynical about virtually everything. And yet that really doesn't reflect the spirit of Christ. And to put it mildly, Christians that act that way are not honoring God the way one ought. Take heart. Tonight we're going to look at five passages We'll look at the last of the five passages first and work our way to the beginning. In part because you know I'm weird and I think backwards. But there's a point to be made by doing this. If you have your Bible, turn your Bible to Acts 23 and verse 11. Acts chapter 23 and verse 11. The context has Paul being tried for his faith in Jesus. He has stood before several officials in Jerusalem. There are a number of men, if you keep reading the context, that have taken a vow that they wouldn't eat or drink until they had killed Paul. That's how bad they wanted this man of God dead. But when you look at Acts 23 and verse 11, the Lord says to Paul, take heart. 
As you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Now, as we look at each of these five passages... I'd like to share with you a problem that we all face as people. People have a problem with the future because we don't know what the future holds. People have a problem with the future. And I'm sure Paul was wondering, what's in it for me next? What does the future hold for me? And so these words of Jesus to take heart that just as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome, that must have been very encouraging to him. Because as the apostle to the Gentiles, Acts 9, 15, and 16, he would long to have the opportunity to speak of Jesus before those in positions of authority in Rome. People have a problem with the future. Here's what I want you to remember. Trust in God's providence. God cares for His people. He cares for his people in a special way. Trust in God's providence. He provides for his people especially. When we think of the past, thank God for his mercy. When we think of the present, thank God for his love. And when we think of the future, thank God for His grace. 1 Peter 1.13 says to set your hope on the grace that will be revealed to you at the coming, the revelation of Christ. Now, let's move to the Gospel of John. Turn to John 16 and verse 33. Now, if you're listening, Acts 23 said we have a problem. People have a problem with the future and what it may hold and that we don't know what the future holds. But we can trust in God's providence. We have a problem with conflict. We naturally have a problem with conflict. Listen to Christ's words in John 16, 33. The Lord says, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. Take heart. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Rejoice. I have overcome the world. One is either an overcomer or one is being overcome by the world. So much strife 
and burden that can weigh us down. People have a problem with strife and burdens. God is a God who gives us peace. Take heart. John 16.33 may well be the summary statement of the upper room discourse. The Lord's just about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where He will be betrayed and taken away to be tried and crucified. I have spoken these things to you that in me you might have peace. Jesus knew that the apostles would really be going through a couple of very difficult days. Don't you think that the one who knows the future knows difficult days that you're going through too? And he gives peace. A sense of inner peace that surpasses all human understanding. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Third passage. Look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 14 and verse 27. Matthew 14 and verse 27. Carl read it for us in the scripture reading. People have a problem with fear. People have a problem with fear. And Jesus says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And in context, it's during a storm. And in context, it's a storm. And the apostles are astounded to see Jesus walking on the water. When you read the passage... Jesus wanted the apostles to know that he was with them just as much when he sends them somewhere as when he's in the boat with them. And he sees us through. People have a problem with fear. And we need to trust and get this in the presence of God. Acts 23, 11, the providence of God. John 16, 33, trust in the peace of God. Take heart. And here in Matthew 14, 27... Trust in the presence of God during the storms and difficulties of life. The one who walks on water is the one who sees us through. Now open your Bible to Matthew 9 and verse 22. The fourth of the five passages. Take heart. In Matthew 9.22, what you have is a miracle within a miracle. You have Jairus coming to Jesus saying that my son, my, my daughter rather, is near death. 
She is near death. Please come and help her. The little girl is 12 years old. But this miracle within a miracle account, which is very rare as far as the actual teaching of the New Testament, where you have two miracles being done at the same time, you have a woman who has had an issue with losing blood. And she's had this issue for 12 years. Mark 5.26 tells us that she had exhausted all of her income going to physicians that could not help her get better. And Jesus... Two people come and are at his feet. One is a ruler, an official, by the name of Jairus. Please help my daughter. And I think any of us who are fathers can understand what it's like to have a sick child. You want to do something for them? He goes to Jesus and he's at his feet. And you also have this woman who has this matter of blood flow, losing blood. And she's had it for 12 years. And she keeps saying to herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment and the bottom of his tunic, we would say, or his coat. In order to do that, she would have to get pretty low, wouldn't she? In a crowd. And the Lord realizes... What this woman has done who touches the hem of his garment and he asks, who touched me? And of course Jesus knew. But he wanted the lady to acknowledge the fact that she knew that Jesus was her only hope. Now here's the problem we all face. We all face despair. We all face discouragement. And you have a father who is despairing for his daughter. And you have a woman who is despairing because Jesus is her only hope. That's where she's been. And she acknowledges the healing that has come through Jesus. Now the thing about all this, Philip, is this, this takes time. And if you're J. Iris and it's your daughter who is sick to the point of death, the text never says anything about J. Iris saying, Jesus, could you please hurry it up a little bit? But you know if you're a father of a child who is at death's door... Even though he seems to be gracious, I'm sure he's impatient. Wouldn't you be? But Jesus takes time for the woman and why she had been healed. And Jesus will do something far greater than Jairus ever thought. She dies... But Jesus raises her from the dead.
we tend to deal with despair and situations that can be discouraging and seem so hopeless in life. Jesus says, take heart. Trust in God's power. Mark it down. Trust in the Lord's power. You got it, Carl? Trust in His providence for the future. When in conflict, trust in His peace. When in a storm and afraid, trust in His presence. Take heart. And when despairing and discouraged, trust in His power. Now, the last passage, Matthew 9, verse 2. Look at the Word of God, and the man is sick. And Jesus uses the expression, take courage, take heart, there again, in Matthew 9 and verse 2. But notice the context, and let me read the passage. Matthew 9, verse 2. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. People are sick, but their sickness is far greater than most realize. This man suffered from paralysis, but the Lord began by dealing with his bigger issue sin. You see that, Wayland? Your sins are forgiven. Now look at the text. Behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Back-to-back questions. Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven or rise and walk? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. You know why? Because how do you prove that they weren't? But Jesus says, in order that you might know that I have the authority to forgive sins, rise and walk. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority. We have a problem. And it's not just sickness. The problem is sin. Trust in God's pardon. Trust in God's pardon. 
he said this expression more than anyone else. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Be of good courage. Be bold and audaciously of good heart. And it's because a Savior has come. Short lesson tonight. But I think that the lesson really has a lot to say to all of us. Amen. I am so glad that we have a God that no matter what our earthly circumstances, we can take heart in Him. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. If you are outside of Jesus, please take heart in our Lord. Come to Him in faith, repentance, and baptism. Have your sins washed away. At the point of baptism, by the precious blood of Jesus, be added to His church. What a blessing to wear the name of Christ. And for those of us who are Christians, let's take heart. Whatever happens on Tuesday, though we may be encouraged or discouraged, we can still take heart in our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Let us stand and sing.